You're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam. Streaming on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and at DCAUReview.com. Now, here's today's episode. Welcome, everybody, to episode 127 of the DCAU Review. I am one of your two hosts, Cal, the other being my good brother, good friend, and the gentleman that runs our Twitter page, Liam. Welcome to episode 127 of the DCAU Review. Yes, and we are continuing with our month of Justice League Unlimited reviews. And, well, look, they can't all be winners, folks. We are reviewing (laughs) kids' stuff this week. (laughs) Yes, we are, in fact, reviewing an episode. (laughs) It Um, is a factual statement that this is an episode of Justice League Unlimited. That is a statement of fact, exactly. We are reviewing it. We are reviewing it, yes. Uh, This episode, Liam, is one of those that you look back and you go, oh yeah, Uh, this is a children's cartoon, or at least in some ways marketed towards children. And sometimes there were stories written, marketed, and geared directly to those children's viewers, as opposed to the heavier topics that we discussed maybe last week with government conspiracies and uh, linkage between government and big business and cons- mm-hmm. all the other things that we discussed last week in, in fearful symmetry. Uh, this week, uh, yeah, probably takes a step back as far as the layers and in, in-depth in of storytelling. Uh, but we do have a, uh, an interesting one to cover today nonetheless. So before we get into breaking down our four categories, as we do each and every week, I suppose you probably have an IMDb synopsis ready for this week's episode, which originally aired back on August the 14th of 2004. We just passed the 16-year anniversary for this episode a few months back. That's right. So I do have the synopsis here, and this is for the episode Kid Stuff, which was written by Henry Gilroy, directed by Joaquin Dos Santos, with music by the Dynamic Music Partners, and animation by the DR Movie Co. And that synopsis reads as such. Morgan Le Fay transforms Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, and Green Lantern into children after her son Mordred uses his magic to remove all adults from Earth and keep children on the Earth. Uh, another clunky one, but uh, it, yes. does, it does sort of get to the... Uh get to the heart of the matter as it were there. So, all right, Liam, let's see. So this, this week, uh, let's just jump right in. We have the return of Mordred and Morgan Le Fay, who we, as we recall, we, we have, I believe covered a a prior episode featuring the two of them and one Jason blood, AKA the demon. Mm -hmm. Yes. uh, You can find our review of uh, a night of shadows in the, uh, in the archives at DCAUreview.com. But Yes, they return. That's sort of where our plot opens is them going off to steal some other uh, mystical MacGuffin. And <laughs> and uh, Mordred is, is tired of waiting for his mom to uh, to give him power and decides to seize it himself by taking this amulet of first magic. And uh, in the middle of this argument, he decides he no longer wants his mother or in fact, anyone older than him 
which feels like a weird loophole because he's like a centuries old person. He just doesn't age like his body doesn't age. So I guess I, I don't, I don't know about the fine print of a magical spell like this, but, <laughs> um, but yes. Yeah, so all of the adults disappear from earth, including the four members of the justice league. We have an action this week. Those being Superman, Batman, Green Lantern and Wonder Woman. And once, once we realize what's going on, Morgan Le Fay informs the Justice League that she can send them to Earth, but they're going to need to be children to get back in. And there we are. We're off to the races from there. I don't see any children. That's because a child is responsible. Morgan Le Fay. I mean you no harm. My son Mordred has wrought this treachery, banishing all adults to this shadow realm. Even me, his own mother. And after I spent millennia feeding him, bathing him, preparing him to be king, where did I go wrong? You're a sorceress. Can't you just undo his spell? No, he's got the amulet of first magic. He's too powerful. But if we all work together... You want us to defeat your own son. So don't trust me. Let him rule the world and all your children. Here we will stay. Forever. But what can we do? We're stuck here, aren't we? Not exactly. The spell only banishes adults. I don't like where this is going. It's the only way. We have to do it. Excellent. Malugu Sagaroth, Gaboth Tanabu, Kathuta. Yes, and all the hijinks that you could ever imagine as Justice Babies, as Mordred calls them, return to Earth and begin to try and do their best to recover the amulet from Mordred. Uh, we eventually, uh, we have a couple of interactions where the Justice League attempt to take it and uh, unfortunately fail to do so. They come, they come into contact with some action figures that are I guess they're like Transformer Power Ranger <laughs> hybrids or something like that. They look they looked like the Hoop Squad to me. <laughs> Dear God, please don't make it so. <laughs> um, all right, so these action figures he turns into life-size robots. They successfully pretty handedly defeat those and then they are dropped very return of the Jedi like through the floor into the uh into this pit where they encounter his beast or monster of some kind which is the sort of the inexplicable and unexplained reason uh demon turned into a baby yeah uh we don't see any of the other you know dozens and dozens of justice leaguers um or even like the other leaguers that were directly uh involved in that first episode like the flash or martian manhunter but we do see baby etrigan and uh yeah it's sort of like a i guess it's kind of like a return of the jedi thing like they're dropped into the dungeon and you have the big you know the big gate uh rises and the monster comes out only for it to be uh baby etrigan who is defeated by uh being given a stern talking to by wonder woman <laughs> and so like this is a hard episode to discuss because I inherently don't like the plot. Sure. Um, 
And so it's difficult to separate like the execution of what the idea was versus that I just think it's a bad idea. Sure. Um, so yeah, that's, I mean, for the rest of the episode, it's just them sort of piecing together how they need to stop him. They need to get this amulet away from him. And they sort of, uh, you know, uh, there isn't a lot to it beyond just sort of the general humor of these, you know, adults having to be children. And uh, you know, there's, there's, uh, it's a lot of, a lot of comedy, which I mean, rightfully so, if you're going to do a plot this silly, it should be mostly comedy based. And uh, like you said, Cal, we can't, every week can't be a, a super serious, more adult look at, uh, at the world. I get that, but yeah, this episode to me just it's just like again, it's not bad and there is actually a a comic book storyline that I think this is loosely tied uh, based on which was uh actually the precursor to the original Young Justice comic in the 90s. It was called I think I literally called it, I think JLA World Without Grown-ups and it's basically the same plot although I think Clarion the Witch Boy may have been involved instead of uh, Mordred here but um yes. Anyway, it's it's this is i guess an old cliche it's like muppet babies or any of those things where it's like yep let's just see the let's just see the characters we know as kids and that's kind of that's kind of where the concept ends the rest of it is just them trying to get this amulet away from him they do in order to exact revenge he decides to make himself an adult mordred does and that of course undoes the spell because it once he is an adult, he can no longer be on this earth without adults. And it also breaks his immortality spell and, or not his immortality, I should say his ageless spell. And so now he's sort of left as this immortal uh, thousand year old man. So I guess the moral of the story is be careful what, kind of magic spells you cast kids because you <laughs> might break the enchantment that your mom used to make you ageless they cheated after i fixed this they're toast what's wrong with me where's my power you've used it all don't you realize what you've done what what Yeah, that's uh, that's the moral of the story, and I think we should just end this episode right here, right now. <laughs> no, I'm I'm just kidding, of course. But uh, there are a couple of other things that I thought that gave a little bit of depth to the plot. Of course, uh, one of the main main undercurrents is the sort of uh, budding romance between Batman and Wonder Woman, which of course plays out through Justice League and up through the end of Justice League Unlimited. Here, so there's some more there's some more uh, uh, more playing out of that storyline here, as Wonder Woman is clearly smitten, even though it's baby we're child wonder woman she's clearly smitten with child batman and this is sort of the first time apparently that superman or Superboy or super kid or clark <laughs> lad right clark is, is suddenly aware that this is happening uh so that was that's one aspect of it there is a humorous line where john uh, stewart green lantern uh, mentions that despite his many different types of visions he somehow couldn't see that uh, wonder woman was interested in batman and uh, the other the other plot or subplot sort of throughout the episode is that we learn that Green Lantern uh, once wore glasses. Yeah, and instead of regular glasses, he makes him what is essentially the Kyle Rayner mask. 
the original uh, comic book Kyle Rayner mask and uh, he wears that instead of regular glasses and there's also like I guess some jokes about like how Green Lantern making constructs is stupid yep there was a lot of meta commentary I thought from the uh, from the producers perhaps uh, you know firing back at at what at the time the people that had complained that john wasn't somebody that was there making constructs and them sort of giving some verbal smackdown to those and multiple times uh batman and superman are sort seem to sort of be the voice of the producers saying that they're dumb or stupid and uh ultimately john gets to create a giant mech suit Mm-hmm. At, at the end of the day and but he uses a, a boxing glove at one point a giant set of tweezers at another point so uh yeah there did seem to be some sort of uh, some clap back there from the from the <laughs> producers so over hearing getting uh getting slack for not having john be be that creative uh construct guy yeah and that's uh like i said i think there's some some there is some jokes that land pretty well I think it's uh, it's funny at the end when they get turned back into adults and Wonder Woman is still holding adult Etrigan. Like, I think that's funny. Genuinely, I think that, that, like, that bit's funny. I think the general concept of child Batman still trying to act all broody and, like, skulking around with the cape around his shoulders and everything, I think that's generally, like, just a humorous concept in general. Um I thought the most I thought the most interesting thing was ultimately that Batman clearly still is despite not having powers still is the smartest person in the room even even as a child and is able to outsmart the uh you know Mordred into turning into an adult and then sort of the somewhat tragic end where we kind of get a look in with uh, with Morgan Le Fay, who clearly just loves her son. We, we established that pretty much in the, in the night of shadows. And there's like some kind of weird um, Oedipus type relationship going on there. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure exactly. It's not exactly spelled out, but it's, it's a little bit creepy. And uh, it, it ends on a very creepy note of her still taking care of this. Just now, like you said, this sort of washed out old sort of, zombified thousand year old Mordred. So uh, it, it ends on a little bit of creepy note. This is the final appearance for these characters uh, thus far in the DCAU. So we don't get any, any follow-up to this story or her exacting any sort of revenge on the justice league as, as sort of a response to them tricking him into doing that. But um, yeah. So uh, all that said, I, so I went into this with very low expectations, um, mm-hmm. you know, kind of a, this kind of feels like the, I've got Batman in my basement of the, the Justice League <laughs> Unlimited. Um, it's a kid's story designed for kids, but I thought that, I thought that there were some things that were, were fun and interesting. The battles that they have, you know, Mordred uses the amulet to sort of make this giant sized version of him. And that's always entertaining, you know, a, good guys versus a, a giant man mm-hmm. uh, is always entertaining. The fact that the fact that he turns uh, what is a sort of a, a stand in for Disneyland, which is named uh, funzy land uh, <laughs> funzy land into this, basically this horror park and, and with in, including uh, real life guillotines and uh, <laughs> a lot of other things. I thought that was, that was interesting. And, and ultimately uh, this idea that, 
deep down he maybe he resents being a child but at the same time he he didn't use the power that he had to make himself an adult he just he kind of does want to be a be a mama's boy so that i thought that was interesting um so with that said i ended up giving uh, plot a six out of 10, which is probably a lot higher than I would have guessed I would have given it based on what <laughs> I had coming in. Uh, it's not, it's not bad. It's, it's, it's 22 minutes of, okay, this is, you know, this is going to be goofy. So strap in and enjoy the goofiness. Yeah. I'm i I'm a little bit lower than you. Uh, I went four out of 10. Um, it's, like I said, and that's not because I think the execution of it is bad. It's just because I don't think, I just don't think it's a good idea for a story. Like I don't, I don't, I don't think it was like a, and I, and again, I, I think there's a way to do lighter comedic episodes. Certainly we've talked about that with episodes like uh, the booster gold episode or something where you can certainly have lighter stories. No one, you know, no one's asking for gloom and doom and conspiracies and, and violence and, and and everything every, every single week again at the end of the day this is a uh, a children's show on a children's network designed to sell toys made by Mattel so i get i i get that there needs to be some kid friendly plots and maybe this is just more accessible because again that's like something it's a very simple concept of kid magician takes over the world, gets rid of adults. So the adults have to be kids to stop him. I, I, I get it. Like I said, I don't think the execution is terrible. I just think the idea is kind of inherently not one that I enjoy, but again, I, if I had, uh, it's hard to try to put yourself back into the, you know, the 10 year old, or, or I guess I would have, I would have been around the uh, 11 or so when, when this episode first aired and it's, yeah, it's hard. It's hard to remember exactly what I, what I would have thought of this or, or, or if I would have enjoyed it more if I was younger at the time. But yeah, it's it's ultimately harmless uh, for sure. It's it's certainly uh, certainly not. There are episodes that were not quote kitty episodes that have been much worse that we have reviewed of uh, some of these other DCAU shows to say the least. For sure, yeah i i I think that's the idea. You know, we we it's hard because, like you said, I I can remember us crapping pretty badly on I've got Batman in my basement just because the storyline itself makes this random kid and his other, this other kid, a hero where Batman is just like knocked out and they're constantly sort of accidentally foiling the, the penguins plots <laughs> at, at the same time, this sort of takes that and puts a twist on it because you still have, it's just the justice leaguers within younger, like pre adolescent bodies, I guess. I, I, right. I, I guess. So that's why it, to me thinking of it as yeah it's hard to put yourself in that tvy7 brain mode like would i have enjoyed this as a as a child maybe probably i can imagine a, a child enjoying the fact that they can identify more with the characters because they're the same age it's like oh what if i had a you know if i had a utility belt or a, a green lantern ring or the silver bracelets and the and the lasso of truth or superman's mm-hmm. heat vision you know so yeah i could i can imagine i can imagine that kids would enjoy this and that was ultimately why they they probably put this in maybe knowing that they were going to have so much heaviness <laughs> coming later on in the in the tail end of this season and then ultimately the in almost the entire second season of justice league unlimited so 
Yeah, that's that's fair. I I understand not not liking that, and that's fine. Like, it's okay to not like these episodes. <laughs> it's okay to not like the plot as a whole, as opposed to just kind of ranking it on. Uh, uh, I mean, you're giving it that score based on the fact that you just didn't like the story. That's okay too. Yeah, and I will say I I will give this episode credit for. Um, accurately portraying what monsters young boys are <laughs> because like the second the parents are gone the kids are like let's play with the guillotine and they're like fighting with wooden swords and they're like chasing the girls around with slingshots and stuff it's like yeah yeah little boys are they could be a bit much sometimes so i <laughs> i think they uh as you know i i was one myself so i i <laughs> i can attest to it um yeah so i i do think they they did do a pretty good job of i think portraying and obviously we only see a few kids mm-hmm. um uh, these ones that were at this theme park that uh that mordred has has turned into his castle but yeah i think i thought that was kind of a funny bit where where superman and, and wonder woman and whoever have to keep breaking up fights and demanding that all these kids stop just going crazy. <laughs> For sure. All right, William, let's move on to our next category, visual and animation. Let's talk about that. Obviously we, we mentioned a couple of things in our plot here, some giant metal robots, uh, green lanterns, constructs, stuff like that. Uh, what else stuck out for you as far as, uh, as visual and animation? Well, I think the obvious, there's two obvious things to me. My favorite part, I honestly think, is the background designs in this episode. There's yeah. some really, really creative, cool-looking backgrounds. Um, uh, like you, like we talked about, he sort of takes this, takes over this theme park and turns it into this like dark gothic castle with this uh, giant guillotine with spikes on it. And he turns like a, a forest into this like drawbridge over a river of lava. And he's got this, uh, just this crazy, uh, you know, this crazy sort of town square and, and everything. And also the, uh, the dimension that all the adults are sent to that we sort of see briefly with, uh, these really wild red and white skies and everyone's sort of floating on these, these asteroids. It's, it's really the the background design really stood out to me as uh as something uh, even better than you I mean, we obviously we don't we don't get into background designs too too much but it's it's obviously something that's uh, kind of an unsung part of this but they to me they really stood out the whole design of this uh remade world was was really well done yeah i, I agree i think it kind of resembles like a, an artist's splatter canvas or something like that where they've just kind of take their mm-hmm brush strokes and kind of go over it or flick their 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 paintbrush at it and it's re- this really abstract weird background and the whole scene itself is they're in this dark realm ha- everybody has this sort of purplish shading over them mm-hmm. uh, which kind of gives it that otherworldly it reminded me a little bit of the phantom zone when you know when in the uh, superman the animated series when superman mm-hmm. gets transferred there it's just you are immediately you immediately understand from the visuals that the, you you're not you're not in kansas anymore you know pun intended <laughs> um so it, yeah I, I think that that visually was very interesting you're spot on with the the tran you know the the transformation of funzy land into the into the horror that we saw so, as you mentioned some of the 
some of the visual gags from that as the uh, as, as they show these little kids pulling up what we can only hope, I guess, because the adults are all gone, is an empty suit of armor <laughs> and proceeding to decapitate it with the guillotine. I thought yes. that was that was an, one of those. It's like we're gonna do this, and because there's no actual body in it, we're gonna get away with this <laughs> from standards and practices. So they can't say anything about this, but showing an, an actual decapitation in animation caused by little children, I thought was a little bit morbid and uh, and made me chuckle a little bit. Um, and we already mentioned the uh, the visual similarities to the the Rancor pit uh, in mm-hmm. Return of the Jedi, Star Wars: Return of the Jedi, uh, and then the uh, heroes dropping into the pit where the where Etrigan is uh, is kept. Uh, Baby Etrigan actually kind of reminded me a little bit of the uh, the look that uh, maybe Greg Capullo went with in the uh, Dark Knight Metal for Baby Dark Side. Uh, <laughs> there's some there's some visual similarities there between the two of them uh, that. that gave me some of some of that uh rank rank true to that a little bit uh i felt like maybe a couple of the kids also might have been cameos from producers uh maybe a, one that looked a little bit like james tucker or one, another one that looked like uh dwayne mcduffie maybe a little bit mm-hmm. blonde haired kid might have been bruce tim so maybe some cameos in there from them also um but uh i i think the standouts like besides besides the the battles that we already talked about is is i'm going to keep going back to it that final scene where uh you see morgan lefay sort of feeding feeding an an aged mordred soup or something and he's just he's just sitting there very creepily in his seat you know and you know he's got drool coming out of his mouth and just this uh far off stare and very 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 weird very very strange look to things there but uh i think there's a lot of fun to be had in this episode i think that they the creators did go out of their way to say all right if we're going to do a kid a kitty kid centric episode we're going to do this and make it fun for kids to watch yeah, for sure. Uh, they they come up with a lot of fun stuff, and uh, I, I definitely think that. I definitely think the uh, the all of Green Lantern's constructs are, despite them uh, making fun of it. He uh, the the mech suit you already mentioned, Cal. Uh, the the giant tweezers he uses to try to pull the amulet off of Mordred while he's sleeping. Uh, the the uh, the surfboard that he and uh, he and Batman ride away on at one point. Uh, they they have some uh, some pretty clever stuff, and then yeah, the the sort of the like the gargoyles that are brought to life that are chasing them around also have some pretty wacky uh, again sort of like evil Disney designs, like something maybe out of like quasi the Hunchback sure. of Notre Dame movie or something. Sure, absolutely. Um, so yeah, there's there's a there's a lot of clever visuals. I do think the justice kids design uh, young justice we'll call them um <laughs> uh designs are unsettling <laughs> i don't know if it's like the big heads on the little i like i don't i don't know but there's something just kind of weird about it um but that being said like i think i think the visuals generally are very strong in this episode and uh, i actually gave them an eight out of ten Nice. Uh, last thing that I will mention uh, before giving my score is I actually thought that the mini battle at the beginning, very beginning of the episode before everybody, all the children uh, or all the parents rather and adults are erased. There's a mini fight scene between Batman, Superman, 
Wonder Woman and Green Lantern with uh, KG Beast making an appearance, Copperhead, yeah. Cheetah, and, and Blockbuster as well. And uh, there's a nice little battle scene there between them. Um, some characters that we, we don't get a whole lot. Uh, we get some of them later on in Justice League Unlimited, but uh, nice to feature some some different characters there visually. KG Beast, very similar looking to Bane, but uh, has his own has his own bit of twist on it. Uh, you know, Copperhead we've seen before. Cheetah we've certainly seen before. Is it maybe this the first time we've seen Blockbuster? Maybe I believe so. Yeah, I know he shows up in the the background of a couple uh, a few more t- a few more times throughout the series. But as far as I remember, this was the first time. One of those Neil Adams era Batman villains. I feel like that was uh, made really popular popular then, but. Uh, yeah, so overall, I also gave visuals and animation an 8 out of 10. I think that uh, they had to kind of go really, really fun and goofy with a lot of the things. I think the mech suit at the end that Green Lantern makes and the sort of the battle there really honestly makes the majority of the episode. And certainly the fun that they have sort of af- as they are able to steal the amulet away from Mordred and kind of use it like a Frisbee, throwing it around and then... Uh, comically, the the Etrigan baby takes a giant bite out of it uh, as if it were a cookie, and uh, sort of electrocutes him. So, <laughs> yeah, that there were some some fun visuals to be had, and I think leaning into the fun uh, was a good decision. And I'll say this: Baby Etrigan, maybe even cuter than Baby Yoda. <laughs> oh, come at me, internet! <laughs> fighting words there. That that's one for the stinger. Now we got we got a. <laughs> We got one, one, one exciting thing to put in the description field already here. Love it. (laughs) All right, Liam, let's move on to our next category, which is going to be music. And I heard you and recall this time it's dynamic music partners this week. Uh, I'm not going to try and give it to just Christopher Carter this week, but uh, we have the dynamic music partners taking care of the, uh, the soundtrack. Again, this soundtrack is not available for download just yet. So it's Difficult to listen to the audio in isolation, but I will ask you this question, Liam. What is your favorite medieval musical instrument, and why is it the hammer dulcimer? (laughs) Well, just based on the name, how could you pick anything else? I mean, for real. I, I mean, honestly. So here's the thing. I'm, I'm sitting here watching the, watching the, the episode and the, the soundtrack during that, that battle scene that you mentioned with the gargoyles, and uh, I'm listening to it and I hear it, and it's, it's heavy, sort of very Batman Beyond esque rhythm guitar, and then all of a sudden you hear this very medieval overtone come in, and I'm like, all right, what's the name of that instrument that? comes in there so i literally like hey google uh tell me what the uh what's the name of it of a medieval instrument <laughs> stringy instrument and it gave me like three or four and it wasn't it then i finally stumbled upon the hammer dulcimer and realized yes this is the instrument that i was looking for so uh that to me was one of the one of the main music points that stuck out um was, was just kind of having ha- them having fun with that seeing as how he's sort of this medieval villain obviously mm-hmm. Uh, so why not throw in some classic medieval sounding music, musical instruments in with our standard sort of rock and roll? Heck yeah. Uh, that's, that's a great little bit of research. We learn things on this show. We don't just, we don't just talk about superhero cartoons. We teach you things. <laughs> and, and, on that uh, educational. That's exactly right. And uh, yeah, other than that, my, uh, my musical notes were more just, uh, 
the inclusions of various uh, hero themes. We have the Wonder Woman theme played actually pretty much just straight up like it normally would be. Um, we have a little bit of uh, the, the Green Lanterns, uh, Michael McQuistion's Green Lanterns theme, which I guess has just be become Jon Stewart's Green Lantern theme. I, I almost want to go back and check to see how often this is used when Jon Stewart does something heroic. Sure. Like if, if JLU was the start of that or if they were doing it in Justice League and we just hadn't noticed because we hadn't reviewed the In Brightest Day episode yet. Mm -hmm. um, so that's something I'd actually like to, to look into and do a little more research on. But then I think the hallmark of it, and it's probably my favorite joke in the whole episode, but I didn't want to mention it in plot because I wanted to save it for music, <laughs> is when uh, Etrigan, they imply that Etrigan has uh, gone to the bathroom in his diaper and needs to be changed. And uh, young Batman says, now that's a job for Superman. And they play Shirley Walker's Superman theme on the xylophone. You've got to be kidding. He's just a baby. That's all he needed. Oh, man, that ain't all he needs. Now that is a job for Superman. I'm going to go punch our way out of here. I'll help. That to me was the <laughs> musical and comedic highlight of this entire episode. Yeah, that was one I noted as well. That was perfect timing, perfect use of that that callback, throwback to the uh, to the soundtrack uh, that you're that you're looking for. Just comedic timing, perfecto. Absolutely, and uh, yeah, like I said, I, I think other than that, we do have some some good sort of what what you would expect from a, a JLU episode. Some good rocked up action music for the. Uh, for the fight scenes towards the end. And uh, yeah, I think it's it's a solid outing. Um, I, I enjoyed the music uh, quite a bit in this episode. Again, maybe score would be even higher if I was able to listen to the soundtrack in isolation. But alas, that being said, I still gave it a, a pretty strong score of seven out of 10. All righty. I uh, went just a tick lower. I went six out of 10. Um, I, yeah, I, th I think that, uh, you know, having having some medieval tweaks to the soundtrack certainly brought up a score a little bit. Those little nods and nodes to the uh, the classic uh, heroes soundtrack was certainly welcome. It, it's very, very hard, though, as we've said a lot of times here to sort of appreciate the soundtrack in all of its glory, just because we're, we're not really able to, to isolate the soundtrack. But uh, solid overall, nothing offensive and uh, and a couple of or an extra point or two for just for uh the 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 cameos and the uh and the the fun had with the music so all right liam let us move on to our final category of the day which will be voice acting we have a rather large cast because we have multiple characters with different voices for this episode so let's get to it let's talk about our voice cast for this week's episode yeah, it's, as you mentioned, a big one. We have uh, we have our child Justice League uh, featuring the voices of Shane Habucha as Superman, uh, Mark John Jeffries as Green Lantern, who folks might know as the uh, the son in the classic Eddie Murphy uh, Haunted Mansion movie. Uh -huh. uh, I put I put their quotes around classic, but you guys can't tell because this is an audio. Uh, <laughs> <podcast>. Um <laughs> We also have Kyle Alcazar as Batman. And then, uh, without a doubt, the biggest name, at least as far as our guest cast goes, we have Dakota Fanning voicing Wonder Woman. 
Yeah, she's made a little bit of a career for herself, hasn't she? Just a little. Uh, yeah, this and this was this would have to have been post uh, Remember the Titans. So this is, uh, yeah, she was already I think a budding child star, and then yeah, here she is playing a young Wonder Woman. And... what to do you're not our mom no but i promise you we will find all your moms and i'm gonna tell well what should we do go outside and wait for your parents now Your girlfriend sure is bossy. Shut up. I mean, I think, I, I think again, we've talked about this a lot on the shows. Whenever there's a child character on these shows, you can go one of two ways. You can hire sort of a professional voice actor to do a kid voice, and you might, and you might be able to get a better performance, but it might not feel as authentic. Whereas if you cast actual young people, actual children. Uh, sometimes the acting isn't as good, but the uh, the the performance feels a bit more authentic because they're actual children. And I will say, I think all of our child actors here uh, do a a pretty good job. Yeah, I would agree with you. I think that that they turn in a solid performance, and um, that's certainly going to be reflected in my score. I thought that it sounded like they had relatively good. Um, chemistry between the four of them. And I, I don't know if that's a case where they were in the same room, like the other actors tended to be when they were giving their performance or if it was just, uh, you know, more kudos to Andrea Romano for her uh, incredible mm-hmm. voice directing. But uh, yeah, they, I think they do a, do a great job. It reminded me sort of the chemistry that the, the four kids have on uh, Stranger Things, which I know you haven't, you haven't necessarily watched, but they, they have a good chemistry in that. And that, that was a case that that show was kind of brought up by the, by the, by the acting of the, the acting of the kids adds to the programs that are sort of taking it away. So mm-hmm. and I would agree in this, in the same case here that the, the voice acting here, if it was, if it was bad voice acting or just sort of mediocre, I think that uh, this episode may have may may fall even further down on the list as far as, or as maybe not being our favorite episodes. <laughs> but I thought that they did a did a, a really good job as far as uh, their their voice acting, and it didn't feel like a forced child actor at any point. Yeah, and like it, like I said, I think there's a lot of humor of of young child Batman still trying to be broody and and angry and. And uh, I think Dakota Fanning, when she, uh, as Wonder Woman, when she stands up in kind of the town square and shouts, uh, shouts that uh, she's going to tell on all of the kids if they don't go outside. I think that was, uh, that was quite funny as well. So yeah, I think they all, they all do their jobs very well. Um, rounding out the cast, we have Olivia Dabo returning as Morgan Le Fay. We have Soren Fulton returning as Mordred. Um, I went back and forth on the Mordred performance, Soren Fulton, because on one hand, he is—he's just incredibly annoying. But then on the other hand, I found it incredibly satisfying when he gets his comeuppance at the end. So I think he did his job pretty well, all things considered. Yeah, I think he plays that annoying, like spoiled brat pretty, 
pretty well. I think that it's a, it's the perfect voice casting for the, for that character. And uh, yeah, seeing when you're happy to see them, a, a child get comeuppance at the end of a, <laughs> of a performance, I think that definitely speaks to their ability to draw some sort of uh, emotion out of you, especially if they're trying to get you to dislike them. For sure. And then I will just make a mention, although he doesn't actually do very much, uh, he provides the voice, quote unquote, of young Etrigan, as well as the blockbuster that we mentioned that is fighting the Justice League at the beginning. Uh, legendary voice actor D. Bradley Baker uh, voicing uh, the, the young Etrigan sounds as well as blockbuster. And then, of course, we have our adult Justice Leaguers. We have Phil Lamar as Green Lantern, Susan Eisenberg as Wonder Woman, George Newbern as Superman and Kevin Conroy as Batman and as adult Etrigan saying the word mommy. <laughs> so to just, again, the range of Kevin Conroy really on display. <laughs> you can't beat, beat old Kevin. You know, he's just the best. <laughs> yeah. And, and as you mentioned though, there's, there's not a ton asked, asked of them because they're not in it that much. Uh, but I think they're, they're sort of general resignation as they understand what's, what's going on. And then, uh, the end, as you mentioned, where where there it seems like this light, happy ending, and and Batman is still Batman, so he still has to be kind of brooding at the end. As I, I think the uh, the adult the adults <laughs> the adult actors do their do their jobs well in in their limited roles as well. Yeah, I agree. I th- I think for me the stand I think the standout performance for this week uh, outside of the children's performances it would probably go to Olivia Dabo. I think that. Um, that's we we kind of sort of mentioned this on last week's episode but when you have a character that doesn't have a face that emotes that has emotion so there's no mm-hmm. nothing coming from that uh that character's face to sort of express their feelings and she sort of plays this this very monotone uh creepy magician like that's that's who she is she's the source sorceress and uh you know so there is some emotion that she shows at least in the beginning of the episode where she's trying to get uh mordred to to listen to her and to hand the amulet over to her and you know she's she has to exude some anger there and then at the end this sort of very creepy still cares for her son despite what he's done as well as her communicating uh to him as he he realizes that by breaking the spell uh, that she had placed on him at a young age that he's now going to now going to have to deal with the consequences of that I, i thought that she she did an underrated job for this week Did you miss Mummy? Well, don't you worry, baby. Mummy's going to take good care of you. From now on. Yeah, no, I think, like like you said, there's this sort of bizarre relationship between her and Mordred and her sort of uh, being betrayed and, and deciding to allow the Justice League to go stop her son while also in the end still taking care of him i think yeah that's that's certainly a, an interesting character and, and she does a good job uh, providing the voice acting uh for that role so yeah like i said i think it's another a solid job by everybody like i said i think the kids are are, are mostly very good and and some of the bickering back and forth between them is 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 good and fun so yeah i gave uh, i gave voice acting another eight out of ten nice um, I also went with a eight out of 10. 
Um, <laughs> I think it's uh, it's solid, and and we we talked a lot about uh, the performances here, Liam. So I guess it's time for us to total up our scores here at the end, and uh, I come with a final score of what turns out to be a twenty-eight out of forty. What about you? Yeah, and I'm uh, just a tick lower there at twenty-seven out of forty. Um, as we jump into rewatchability here, I would say you don't have to, but if this, uh, this episode is absolutely not going in the bad episode jar. So it's not terrible. If you have an, an appreciation for a pup named Scooby-Doo or Muppet babies or something, and you want to see the DCAU version of that, uh, you might enjoy this, uh, quite a bit, but I, it's certainly not a must watch. So, uh, I, I don't. I don't know how we rank that one, but I, I wouldn't say it's a. It's it's a ne- a need to rewatch this one for really any reason. I I think this is one. Yeah, I I would agree with you. There's it's n- in no way is this a much must watch. Uh, if you're sitting down to watch the the first season of Justice League Unlimited and you're trying to get to just the the uh, tentpole most important episodes. Yeah. This is an absolutely skip at that point. Um, If you're trying to introduce your child, maybe to a little bit of justice league action and you want to sit down and watch something with maybe, you know, that seven or eight year old and or six year old, I don't know. I don't have kids, so I don't know (laughs) what what proper ages we're talking here, but you know, something that you want to sit down that your, your child will enjoy and you might get some chuckles out of also, uh, yeah, go ahead and, and put this one on. This is this is one that you guys can enjoy together. If you're really interested in Morgan Le Fay and, uh, and Mordred, then yeah, go ahead and put this one in. This kind of sort of wraps up their story uh, that we, we kind of started in, in uh, Justice League. So it, it doesn't really feature the, the Demon Etrigan in any specific way that you need to watch it. So it really doesn't do anything for them. <laughs> if you, if you kind of want to move the, for shippers, I guess we're talking about here. Uh, <laughs> if you want to move, move forward with your Batman and Wonder Woman storyline. Okay. This, this sort of advances that plot, maybe like a half step. So um, I, I guess those are all good reasons to watch it. If you're, if you're just trying to watch the, the best of the best, then yeah, this is a, this is definitely not a, a must watch either. Well, there you go. All right, Liam. Well, that will wrap us up for this week's episode. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app. That is Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever you stream your podcasts. If your podcast app allows you to give us a rating, we would love a five-star rating. Or just be honest. Tell us what you'd like to hear and uh, how we can improve. We would love that. That helps us out a bunch. Don't forget, you can also stream these episodes each and every week at dcaureview.com. You can check that out. Uh, You can sort by series. You can check out all the other episodes that we've covered. We have different categories broken down. So you can can check that out at dcaureview.com, where you can also check out our shop. Uh, If you want to support the podcast, pick yourself up a shirt or a hat. Uh, You can also uh, pick up pick yourself up a sticker by contacting us on social media at DCAU review. That is both Instagram and Twitter. Liam is over there running our Twitter page. Lots of interaction happening there. Liam, 
speaking of which, uh, you typically will post a, uh, a little preview letting people know ahead of time what episode that we will be covering the following week. So just in case you aren't following us on Twitter, which you should do right now, we will talk about that right now. Liam, what episode are we covering next week on the program? Yes, so we've got a couple more weeks of JLU here, although a spoiler alert, we will be doing another Elseworlds review uh, for the fifth Saturday of October, Mm -hmm. but we've got a few weeks until then uh, where we will tease that out on social media to be sure, might even do a poll where you guys can help us pick what it'll be, but for next week, we will be staying with Justice League Unlimited and we will be picking up with a Wonder Woman-centric episode, that being Hawk and Dove. Alrighty, staying right here in the first season of Justice League Unlimited. I love it. Don't forget to check that out. You will not want to miss it. Until then, though, I am Cal. And I'm Liam. And we will talk to you on the very next episode of the DCAU Review. Adios.